This is an Area Code podcast. Except for that there is someone dropping off a package and the dog is going to bark. Literally as I hit record, I love it. Here he goes. There he goes. Oh, so good. Now you have to go get... Bethany likes to run out and meet the the deliverers too. No. Yeah, like her thing. Well, I do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially these days, I thank them. I usually turn I off too. all the lights and hide behind the couch. But there you go. There yeah, you go. I want to catch them so I can thank them for <laughs> me too. putting their lives on the line. Yep, me too. And bringing me my stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do like that about them. And you know, <laughs> uh, only a well-trained dog barks predictably that's true hmm. okay right so yeah you should yeah the dog should get a treat actually for performing as expected well you know <laughs> he's not my dog he's my roommate's dog so i would prefer the not barking there you especially go. since this morning he woke me up by barking but... oh well that that's unacceptable yeah Hi, I'm Richard Clark. And I'm Bethany Perkins. We can't stop talking about the Enneagram. So we decided to start a podcast where we get it all out of our system. We're not experts. We're just obsessed. It's no chill Enneagram. A safe space for Enneagram fanatics. And a pretty great idea for a podcast. Hey, everybody. You're listening to No Chill Enneagram. I am your host, one of your hosts, Richard Clark, and I'm here as usual with Bethany Perkins. Hey, Bethany. Hi. Okay. So every episode, I say we have a very special guest. Um, One time I said we had a special very guest for some Mm -hmm. reason. (laughs) (laughs) But this time we really do have a very special guest. Very. Um, Kind of, I guess you would call this our white whale of a guest. Is that appropriate? Like, you can, I'm good. <laughs> sure. Like I in the sense that, you know, you know, like it's the one that we started going, we need to one day have, have mm-hmm. Suzanne Stabile on. So we yes. have on our show today, Queen Suzanne Stabile, the, the original writer of Road Back to You, the Probably the person that got both of us into the Enneagram. Is that right, Bethany? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Suzanne, I've told this story on the podcast, and I don't know if you remember this, but you actually helped me figure out my number. Do you remember this? I don't know. Tell me some more. <laughs> <laughs> so, I used to work yeah. at Christianity Today. I knew that was you. Yeah, that was yeah. me. I said to Joel, I think, I think I've already... Been in a dark room one time with this. You have. <laughs> you have. So to be clear, that was a studio, an oh, audio sorry. studio. <laughs> um, but the, the it's just the weirdest story because I remember distinctly you guys just being like, it takes people a long time to figure out their numbers and they got to figure out for themselves. And we did this episode of The Calling, which is a podcast I used to host. And all throughout the thing, you and Ian are just holding up four fingers <laughs> anytime I would say anything. <laughs> and I finally had to call it out and be like, what is happening? Why are you holding up? Why are you saying four so much? <laughs> and then we talked yeah. about that. Well, but it, you it, think it you were before that again? I, I was agonizing between four and seven. Which is so that, weird. No, it's really not. It's really not weird. That happens to lots and lots of people. So you want me to tell you why? Yes. Yeah. Or do you want to just live with that? No, <laughs> I think I kind can I guess? Because I think sure. I kind of get it. I just don't see as much seven in Richard. Right. Just because I know him. But is it because fours and sevens are both like kind of intense and like passionate and like um like idealistic too? Like always thinking of like their their ideals of what they think the world should be or what they think they should be we can certainly use that and add to it none of that's wrong 
Okay. <laughs> it sounds like that was wrong. <laughs> no, none of that's wrong. But let's start with <laughs> let, let's let's add some things to it just to make it a little fuller. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So as children, you can't tell fours and sevens apart, and which is why we shouldn't be assigning numbers to children. And right. uh, mm. the reason is because they both always want more. Hmm. They're both neither one quite satisfied. They're both comfortable wishing things had been other than they were. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like for a seven, looking forward to something is usually, Richard, I'm hoping that's not true today, is usually better than the thing happening. Yeah, definitely it, not. It's like anticipation is such a thing for sevens that when the real thing happens, it's pretty disappointing. And for fours, anticipation is also really important. But then when the thing happens, they want more. Hmm. So uh, sevens as adults move on to the next thing while fours are wanting more of that thing before they move on to the next Hmm. thing. So fours uh, leave uh, a podcast. Richard, you may have left a podcast thinking, man, I wish it had been just a little longer. I wish we could have asked this and this and this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. right? And the other reality in terms of always wanting more and not quite being satisfied is imagination. And the difference is sevens focus their imaginations primarily outside and fours focus their imagination inside. And so fours are often creating their own image, their own surroundings, the way they want things to be. And sevens are putting their desire for the way things ought to be, the way they want them to be, outside of themselves on other things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, a little bit of that. The funny thing about me is really the only reason I thought I was a seven was because I had so many iPhone games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow. There's that. Like I would play an iPhone game for maybe two days and be like, all right, next thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would do that a lot. And I do, I still do that a lot with media, but I've found that it's because it's not because I'm looking for the next thing. It's because the other thing is not quite there. And it is actually, it's become, I've become more and more aware over time that I am looking for the perfect like work of art or video game. I don't yeah. know why, but I'm like desperate hmm. for the like the thing that will fulfill me in a way that nothing will, you know, obviously. But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that's, that's a very four thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I have found that thing and it's TikTok. TikTok <laughs> is perfect and it fulfills me. <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. Nice. <laughs> yep. In in what way does it fulfill your your Enneagram personality? Oh, my Enneagram personality? Hmm. That's a good question. that is a good question. I'll tell you why I love it and then try to connect it to me. Um, I love it because it is so funny. Like the funniest things I have found on the app. Like multiple times I have been crying, laughing, and unable to breathe at just how hard I'm laughing. Um, And I feel like people are so creative on that Mm. too. Like they just make these little 15 second or 60 second videos that are so creative that I would never think of. And so I just appreciate that. Like I'm just impressed by what people create. I don't really know what I get out of it like as a two because it's like there's not much like connection. Like I'm not seeing things necessarily from people I know. I don't know. Maybe and that's I've... what you get out of it. Oh, huh. Maybe. Don't you get yeah. tired? Don't you get tired of hearing from people, you know, and seeing people, you know, and. <laughs> well, not right now. Right now I'm like, I just want to actually see everyone that I know. Right. Well, could, could we do pre COVID? Please, when everybody mm. could get to you and need you. And, you know, if for 15 minutes, yeah, you can take a break with TikTok and not 
nobody needs you. Yeah, it's it is totally something that I just do for myself. Yeah, in my yeah. own enjoyment. Although I do think of all my friends as I'm watching the TikToks, and then I do. send them to the people who I think would enjoy them. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're yeah you you're right down in there in that two space. <laughs> sure am. <laughs> right, it's like I can't I can't enjoy this for me. I I need to. I have to share it. Yeah, yeah. So here's a fascinating story. I um, I found out that Henry Nowen was a two, and I don't know if you've ever heard this part of my story, but uh, when I first started learning uh, the Enneagram from Richard Rohr uh, in the 90s, um, he suggested as our spiritual director, mine and Joe's, that I study it for five years without talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did that, uh, which was very difficult as a two, but I was really trying to be faithful to this thing I'd been challenged to do. And, and so I did it. And early in that time, I found out that Henry Nowen was a two on the Enneagram and he had self-identified to Richard Rohr that he was a two. So Mm -hmm. I, I knew what we were talking about. So I decided it would be a good thing for me if I read everything he wrote in the order that he wrote it so I could see another two's spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I publicly said one day, I've decided that uh, I'm called to read everything. I don't know if I said I'm called, but I felt called. (laughs) Yeah. uh, To read everything that Nowen wrote in the order that he wrote it. And so I'm I'm just telling you now, I'm going to do that. And then I found out that he wrote 42 books. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So then I read them all. Wow. And about three or four years ago, I guess three maybe, Joe and I were invited to come to uh, uh, Harvard to do a leadership thing, an entrepreneurial leadership thing, uh, that came out of two graduate students, um, paper from Harvard Divinity School. And it was, uh, where we gather was the, was the publication that went with that. And, um, I met Sue Mosteller and she is, uh, the woman, nun, who has been in charge of and still is, Henry Nowen's papers, all of them, everything he wrote, all of them fall under her. And she was there, and I didn't know she was going to be. And so she said, oh, honey, I, I you read all of them? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh-huh. <laughs> so I went back home from that event and thought, you know, I should read some of those again. And I pulled them, and this is the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> And I had notes and written in them and things underlined and every single thing, every single thing, Bethany, had somebody else's name by it. Oh, yeah. Yep. And not, uh, n- not, one, not one single thing, as I looked through them all, said, Suzanne, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> you should pay yeah. attention to this. Yeah. You should learn from this, right? Yep. Yeah. That's just because it's how we see. You know, we I just had, see yeah. outside. I have to work really hard when I'm reading things to just only think of myself. Yeah. Like, because that's why I'm reading it. Like, it's really for me. Like, I picked up the book, The Gifts of Imperfection, because I want to work on perfectionism within me but I just can't help from like thinking about other people so yeah it really it takes discipline too are you reading that right now I am I just I've already read it but I just pulled it to read again nice yeah I just did that and I haven't opened it yet it's got a lot of little tabs on it Mm -hmm. so I'll let you know if any of it was for me the last time I read it (laughs) yeah yeah. Or if all that's to help somebody else. If you're interested in that book, let me recommend another one. Okay. Um, I, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do that when I think of it. Okay. <laughs> you just let us know. Yeah, we'll which is not right now. All right. Is Perfect. it a Henry Nowen book? No, it is not. No, you know, I, I 
Um, I didn't know you then, or I'm sure I would have little <laughs> pearls of wisdom for you from that reading. It, yeah. it, um, it's, uh, Singer, Michael Singer wrote a book titled something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really, it, it's one of the most important books I've ever read. <laughs> and that's the truth. Um, okay. I just have a lot on my mind today. Yeah. yeah Untethered okay. soul. Untethered would say, soul. Would you okay. say you're in stress today, Susan? Uh, you know, I could be. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling out right now, though. Mm-hmm. So did y'all get the title? Untethered Soul by Michael yes. Untethered Soul. I wrote okay. it down. All right, Bethany. The reason that we want to read that, everybody should read that book, everybody, is because it's the best description of internal dialogue I've ever read anywhere, hmm. ever. And so I encourage ones to read it a lot, but I find that, other numbers who pick it up have said to me over the years, wow, that was very helpful to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the gifts of imperfection has to do with an internal idea that imperfection is not okay. And here's mm-hmm. why it actually is okay. Yeah. So that's, that's all that. That's what you get if you tell me what you're reading. So. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. What nice. are you reading, Richard? Uh, I'm reading novels, only novels these okay. days. Which there was a while when I was doing a lot of nonfiction or nothing, but yeah. mostly nothing. And it wasn't until I started to love novels that I started to read again. And yeah. now I read a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've read 42 books in my life, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I'm getting there. Yeah. Well, I, I don't recommend 42 by one author as it turns That's out. That's a lot. <laughs> he gets kind of old. Well, he, after a while, he, um, he was he was uh, prolific in repeating what he believed in different ways. Mm. Right. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned that you had a lot on your mind today. Maybe you're a little in stress. We want to talk about what that's like. Um, we want to we want to talk about what twos are all season. We're asking people what they're like in stress. So we'd like yeah. you to talk a little about a little bit about what it's like. Not just for twos, but for you specifically, when you are in stress. Um, okay. The first thing I would say is that I've done a lot of Enneagram work. Mm-hmm. So I I probably can't talk about me in stress without maybe teaching a little bit. But sure. That's great. Um the the first description I would give you is that before I really understood anything about um, stress and tunis, actually, when the children were smaller, um, I can remember different times when Joey, who is our oldest, would encounter me in early in the morning on a school day and go back upstairs. And I would hear her say to the other children, if you need anything today, I'm just telling you, today's not the day to ask for it. So if you can wait for tomorrow, <laughs> you you want to wait. And if you if you want to really have a smooth sail from here to school, you ought to go make your own lunch. That'll help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I also can remember times uh, when the children were all little, and you know, my husband is a nine, and like I I don't know how. I publicly say always he's literally the best human being I've ever met. And I don't know. He just makes the right choices most of the time. And Hmm. he's even keeled and all of that. And he used to be so shocked if I was in stress Mm -hmm. um, because of my behavior. So I presume by now that I've stated in one way or another that when I, as a younger woman, made the intuitive move to eight in stress, I behaved badly and it was a significant difference for the people Mm -hmm. in my family and in my world. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like twos, like they're the ones that in stress that is the biggest shift. Does it feel that way to you? Well, I, I... I think five to seven is pretty big, huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. right? 
Uh-huh. But it is a big shift. It yeah. it is from Nightingale to just a raving bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and you have described me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bethany, I'm sorry. I forgot you were a two there for a while. I was working no, on my own but stuff. You speak the truth, and I don't deny it. So, oh uh, man, yeah. So, um, I. It, it is a big move. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've not ever heard me teach about this, then my teaching about this is that everything in the Enneagram is helpful. So if something's not helpful, then it's a misunderstanding of Enneagram wisdom. Hmm. And there's nothing helpful about going from the low side of your core number to the low side of your stress number. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. That's just not helpful. Yeah. yeah. So while traditional Enneagram teaching had always been that you just intuitively go to the high side of your stress number, of your security number when life is lined up correctly and you go to the low side of your stress number when things aren't going well, mm-hmm. and that's that, I just never, I, I could just never buy into that because every other thing I knew about the Enneagram was helpful. And for me to mm. go to the bottom of two, which is schmoozy and manipulative and gooey and icky <laughs> to the bottom of eight, which is not any of those things and is instead uh, angry and uh, too loud and too uh, self-assured and too demanding and too boundaried or not. And, um, so I began to kind of watch that and I did for probably six or seven years. And I realized that I could catch myself, you know, in our Enneagram number, we can either be healthy, average, unhealthy, excess in our number or pathology. And I realized that if I caught myself on the way down to excess in my number, And if I paid attention to what I knew about average or healthy eightness, then I could stop what I was doing in two and go get what I need from eight Mm -hmm. and not make a bigger mess of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's easy. Um, I really encourage people who come hear me teach a Know Your Number workshop to do two workshops in their lifetime and the second workshop listen just for the number that they go to in stress because I've done enough work in hospitals to know that it's the move from security to stress that causes a great deal of discomfort in families and in the workplace and when that happens in hospitals it's very confusing Hmm. so um My language also is you can't take care of yourself without the number that you go to in stress. So Mm -hmm. here's what I've learned from going to eight. I've learned to say no. I've learned to um, be more honest in asking the question that I've been asking myself every day for probably 16 or 17 years, which is what is mine to do? Um, I've learned in eight that not every problem is mine. I've learned that not everybody wants my help. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that without eight energy and the ability to say no to things that are not mine to do, I ended up saying no to the people I love the most and trusting their love for me and doing things that perhaps someone else should have done when I should have been with them. So I am perfectly, perfectly capable of being a bitch any day of the week (laughs) and any moment of any day of the week. And um, I work really hard at it and I don't always catch myself. Hmm. But the only way I know, the, the, the number one thing I know that has helped me learn to catch myself is knowing enough about eight to know what I need from there to take care of myself. 
So if you want a, a foundational story about me moving from two to eight, I can give you that. And if you've heard enough and you want to talk about something else, I can do that too. <laughs> I mean, I would like to hear it. Okay. <clears throat> to make a long story short, I was adopted by the doctor who delivered me two days after I was born into a family that had biological sons that were 18 and 15 and no plan to adopt. So I was a surprise to everybody, and my parents were very well known in the community I grew up in, and I was a big surprise to the entire community, and I grew up uh, living out uh, the role, all the blessings, and the expectations of being Doc and Sue's adopted daughter. And um, my parents were very uh, astute and smart and well-read and all that. And when I was in the eighth grade, they gave me a key to a lockbox in Lubbock, which was Lubbock, Texas, which was 60 miles from my home. And they gave me a key to a lockbox in Floydata, Texas. And um, they said, we've put your adoption information in both places. And if you ever want to go know what we know, we'll go with you. You can go by yourself. You can do whatever you want, but you, you have the key to that information. Hmm. And then uh, after a couple of years, they uh, did away with the bank in Lubbock, and I still had the key to the bank in Floydata, Texas, where I'm from, to the lockbox at that bank. And I was always kind of afraid as a two that if I tried to, find out who my birth parents were, that it would hurt my parents' feelings. And that came from mm -hmm. inside me, not from them. Huh. Mm -hmm. And so my mom lived to be 92, and when she died, right on top of the lockbox at the bank was an envelope that said Suzanne's adoption papers. And I waited a couple of years to open them, um, and then I did, and uh, then we knew for sure who my birth mother was. No mention anywhere of my birth father. Hmm. And when I turned uh, 55, Joe said, you know, I, I've been looking on the Internet and stuff, and I can't find out who your birth mother, I can't find out anything about her, but... I did find out, I found this guy who you can hire, and that's what he does professionally, and he finds uh, birth parents for adopted children. And I'd like to give you that for your birthday if you want it, but if you don't want it, that's okay. And I, I'm, one of my big statements in life is you. everybody needs a therapist, everybody needs a spiritual director. If you don't have one and you think you don't need one, go get one now because <laughs> when you need one is a bad timing. That's bad timing. <laughs> yeah. So um, I went to our therapist and I went to our spiritual director and I talked it all through and I decided that I might regret it if we didn't, because uh, we knew that she was 21 when I was born. So we knew that she was 76 and it, it was time. Mm -hmm. So um, at that time I was teaching at Richard Rohr's center some and speaking at some in Albuquerque and speaking at some events there. So I was probably at the Albuquerque hotel maybe 10 times a year. And it took this guy 18 hours to find my birth mother, and she lived right across the street from the Albuquerque Hotel. So for those of us who are Christian, we tend to, to at times, say, oh, look what God gave me. <laughs> God mm -hmm. wants us to be together, and she wants me, and I want to know her, and it's going to be so great. And I think God's in everything, so I'm sure God was in that, but it certainly wasn't pleasant, and she didn't want to have anything to do with me, and that she just didn't. Mm -hmm. And she was mean and nasty and ugly and all that. Wow. So I went back to therapy and back to spiritual direction, and Father Rohr was our spiritual director at the time. And he struggled with it, too, and it turned out that he knew somebody who lived where she lived uh, who knew her. And he said, the next time you're in town, uh, the person I know is willing to keep an eye out and make sure that she's home from work. And then we can go knock on the door. And I, I think you deserve 10 minutes and I'll go with you. So I approached that door with Richard Rohr on one side of me praying and Joe Stabile on the other side. Hmm. You know, you talk about a shining moment. I thought, well, this is going to work. 
Um, and we knew she was on the other side of the door and knocked for 20 minutes and she didn't answer. Hmm. So we had to walk down the street and across the street and then back down to the hotel and it set far back on the property and nobody said a word on the way. Cause what would you say? Yeah. And Bethany as a two, you know, that, uh, the, the first way we try to find a place to stand is by finding somebody who needs our help. So I'm at the very bottom of two. I, I don't know what to feel except that I'm not wanted. And as we approach the hotel, there is a bellman who is helping a family with their luggage. And it's two people with five or six bags. And I walk straight up and put my hands on two of the bags and look at the bellman and say, let me help you carry these in. And he said, excuse me? <laughs> And I said, I want to help you carry these. You can't carry these. And he said, no, 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 ma'am. I've got this. And he looked at Joe like, could you help me out here? (laughs) Please. So Joe said, honey, put the bags down. And we, we always stayed in the same room, room 1215. We went to the elevator, got on the elevator, got to room 1215 and opened the door. And I started raging. Hmm. And I was raging because I was so stressed and nothing worked. And all I had was anger. Now, here's the important part. That's exactly what I needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you imagine what it would have been like for a two who had just been uh, kept out another time? Mm-hmm. to go to a hotel room and have to stay in two. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So when I say, uh, you, you, you just can't make it without the number that you go to in stress. I mm-hmm. really mean that. I, yep. I mean it from the depth of my being. Yeah. So I may have more of an appreciation for the stress move than some people do, mm-hmm. but I've gotten in plenty of trouble too, as a pastor's <laughs> wife in eight. Just saying. Well, it- it's interesting because, uh, you know, when we started this season and we, we had this idea of asking people about what, how, what they're like in stress, we really did expect a lot of like me at my worst kind of conversations. And I think what we ended up with was a lot of people telling us how much that their numbers do help them. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, that seems to be a little bit of a trend here as we talk to people. Um, and certainly I can see it for myself, you know, for me, like there's a lot of wallowing that happens before I end up going to two <laughs> in stress, you know? Yeah. And um, you know, you know, Richard, what happens when you go to stress is there's a, you are always focused inward and Bethany, yeah. you're always focused outward. Right. Mm-hmm. And that place that twos and fours <laughs> meet in the middle on that line mm-hmm. is pretty valuable space because fours get a lot farther in life when they're able to focus on other people part of the time mm-hmm. and try yeah. to meet them where they are. That's right. And and uh, exactly that dynamic, I would say, Bethany, I don't know if you agree with this, but it feels to me like that dynamic has saved this podcast multiple times, mm-hmm. you know, of like you being a little more, uh, d- d- I don't know what the word is, demanding, up front and me being a little more like, what do you need? What do you need? <laughs> you know, <laughs> That kind of thing. I've, yeah. I've felt that dynamic multiple times and it yeah. always feels like a little scary, but also like, okay, it's we're productive. handling it. Yeah. It's super productive. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Our next segment is called any of kids these days. Uh-oh. Uh, Suzanne, <laughs> uh, here's the thing. So you've you've been doing this for a long time, as you just demonstrated with your previous story. And you happened to write this book that I, I think had a lot to do with, or at least coincided with, a major like like trend thing happening mm-hmm. with the Enneagram, right? Explosion. Right. Uh, like an any explosion, if you will. So um what we want to know is how, like, what are the things that people do with the Enneagram to the Enneagram about the Enneagram that 
makes you <laughs> makes you say any of kids these days like frustrates that makes you. you go to eight and just start raging around exactly. your house right. <laughs> yeah okay um well i'm past the raging stage oh that's good and i'm trying to find a way to speak some experience into the trend um, I think there's two sides to everything, and I t- think two things can be true. And if a hundred people take a 10-question test to find out their number, nothing valuable will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if a hundred people take a 140-question test, and get an inkling of what defines them in some ways and of behavior patterns that seem to repeat themselves, then I think we have some ground to work with. And then what happens is people either choose to do the work or they don't. Right. Mm -hmm. So what makes me crazy, crazy, crazy <laughs> like i i am fisting a bottle of water crazy <laughs> <laughs> that's such a weird expression of rage <laughs> so all i've got right here at hand right now working with what i've got um it makes me crazy when i hear somebody come up to me at a big conference where i'm speaking and somebody comes up and says i'm a 1 w 2 with a six wing. Oh no! What? Who's who? What? Who? Yeah. Who, would, See? who in their it right makes mind? you crazy too? Oh, I yes. hear that more than you think. More than you would think. So number one, oh, and then you don't slap tell me what you're across the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't tell me what your wings are. I have no idea whether or not you know your number. Don't want to hear what your wings are. Hmm. Uh, I, and I don't. I I don't know what to tell you about thinking that you have a wing all the way across the Enneagram unless you don't understand <laughs> creatures that have wings. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, wait. Why don't That's you want to like know what our... or a beak. Why don't you want to <laughs> yeah. know what our wings are? Uh, people who come up to me at a conference, like I'm happy to know what yours are. Oh, I, oh, I see. I see. I see. You just because don't care you've about done... people at the conference. <laughs> <laughs> you've I'm done some... Kidding. Enneagram work, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime somebody uses the language number, W, number. Huh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. That's a test result. That's yep. not learning the Enneagram. Right, 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 right. Yes. Yes. So that there's makes some me... nuance in the wing stuff and, and yeah, that makes well, sense. Well, you know, if you know the Enneagram and you start to understand that your secondary desires are maybe in one of your wings and your secondary fears are there Yeah. and how might you start to work with that? That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but all that, uh, uh, see y'all got me all whipped up now. I love it. I love it. I'm all whipped up about that. So I don't like, I don't like that. Um, yeah. and I don't like it because it makes light of something that I think changes people's lives mm-hmm. and nothing, nothing that is life changing is discovered with 10 questions. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. The other reality is that your Enneagram number is determined by motivation for behavior, not by behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's all just a shortcut that doesn't work. I'm not a fan of shortcuts and I really don't like that one. So there's one yeah. thing. Here's the next thing. For a while, I was doing, uh, you know, Enneagram and parenting. People would ask me to come teach Enneagram and parenting. And so I did. And I did a a lovely job of teaching (laughs) the gifts and the pitfalls of each number in parenting and what the challenges would be and all that. But they didn't want an Enneagram and parenting Enneagram workshop about them and what they needed to do. Yeah. They wanted me to tell them what number their children are. Yeah. Oh, no. 
And my answer to that is very short. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not doing it. Now, we did here in LTM work with uh, an organization called My Treehouse, which is a post-adoption services nonprofit organization because I'm adopted. And we used animals for the children instead of numbers Hmm. and numbers for the parents. And my daughter, Joey, came up with the animals. And instead of finding an animal that was like each number, she read about animals and then figured, oh, that animal's a two. It was really well done. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And we were able, with animals, with the children, to give them a way to not attach to something like, you know, it's not like assigning a number to you, right? We mm-hmm. were able to help the children find what animal they thought they were and what animal, and then their parents identified as an animal. And then it was a safe space to say things like, bunny rabbits are afraid of lions. Because little children who might be sixes are afraid to say to aggressive parents, I'm afraid of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If they're adopted. Right. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, um, I, that's the only way that I have been in post-adoptive services. Only way I've been willing to work with children. I I do, uh, I've lowered my age from 18 to 16. I, I wouldn't teach anyone older than younger than 18 for a while. And I've lowered it to 16, but that's Mm. where I'm going to stay. Yeah. That's good. good. I just don't want to be an old fuddy duddy about that. And I don't even know what fuddy duddy means. It means nothing (laughs) to me, but I don't want to be. We know what it means. Good. Okay. Well, I don't want to be that, but there are some things that I think I just have to hold on to. And every trend uh, causes a stir and, makes things different and then there's another trend and I you know I was around long before this trend I hope I'll still be standing after Mm -hmm. and there'll be far more people who want to go deeper and I'm all about that and if uh, a little questionnaire helps you get there great right yeah cool anything else make you mad about kids these days Uh, before we move on (laughs) about kids I'm just really enjoying you being mad about any of kids, any of kids Um, like us. (laughs) Yeah. Like us. Podcasts like this. For No, this, this podcast doesn't upset me in in the least. Okay. Um, But what podcast does upset you? No, 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 no. You have to catch me some night, like 1030 after, uh, beverages. Okay. We'll talk to Joel about setting that up. Yep. We will. Yep. I, I, I don't like, uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Enneagram being applied to Halloween and, uh, <laughs> COVID and, uh, salads and, <laughs> you know, if it's your life's work and somebody reduces it to what kind of salad that number like, <laughs> it, it's sort of. Feels like you've been negated a tish. Mm. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I can see What if it's done in good that. fun, though? You know? What if it makes people I, laugh? Well, I haven't <laughs> seen that disclaimer on people who are putting out what salad you are. Right. If you're a what if the disclaimer oh, okay. was something like, we're not experts, we're just we're obsessed? We're just obsessed. I can go with that. Okay, yeah. cool. Yep. Just yep. Sure. I can do a disclaimer. But, you know... They got my salad wrong, so I don't know what else to say. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We're beating around the bush here, but we do that a lot on this we podcast do. with and- other guests. We don't do it. We don't typically like force like committed experts to do it, but we have mm-hmm. like in, any obsessed people on and we just like do ridiculous. What is the ridiculous. last dumb thing? Um, how did... <laughs> I don't even want to say this to Suzanne, but yeah, you please do. say it. We did how to type your baby in the womb. <laughs> okay. Now, children, see, if yes. I had already known that, if I had known that, 
I could have answered the question much more quickly when you asked you me what makes me crazy. <laughs> yeah. So here's what I would say. I think as long, here's what my dad used to say. Yeah. Uh, it's okay to play the game as long as you know you're playing. Yeah, yes. totally. Oh, it was so ridiculous. It it didn't make, I mean, it was so ridiculous. There's no <laughs> way anyone would take it seriously what we said. But don't you think there's a a place of irony that you all are holding space for? Oh, definitely. Y- yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and so without that, then people who are not being ironic could potentially be taken seriously. Right. So um, the world is going through a lot in this moment. And we've heard you talk a lot about how like this is the time for fill in the blank number. What we want to know is like, what is the number or numbers that you think the world really needs right now in this moment? Civil unrest, a coronavirus economic depression all <laughs> happening at once yeah. um what what is the number that we most need in the world right now um i was i was thinking to decide whether or not my answer would be different than what i've been teaching uh because of the addition of civil unrest but i don't i don't think it would be so hmm. I've, I've been saying uh, for a time, um, actually prior to COVID and prior to civil unrest and economic uh, troubles, I, I just think in general the two numbers that we need most right now are six and nine. Hmm. And it's interesting because they're the least likely numbers to speak up. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that makes it exceptionally challenging. But the reason is uh, nines because they literally, their way of seeing is to see two or more sides to everything. Mm -hmm. And that's their gift and problem. Mm -hmm. And in current circumstances, I think it's probably more gift. Uh, the other number is six because sixes are the number that's concerned about the common good. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I, there's so much aggression yeah. and so much frustration and so much disappointment and so much fear and anger. I don't, know that adding aggression or an aggressive voice to that is going to be helpful. And sixes and nines tend to um, have a more encompassing lens than other numbers with the ability to do what's theirs to do and go home and rest. Like I feel like Bethany, I feel like we have a lot to offer, you and I, mm-hmm. and and you, Richard, because you can bear witness to pain better mm. than any number on the Enneagram. Right. But none of the three of us can go into this and do what's ours to do and go home at night and rest. <laughs> That's true. Right? <laughs> we We take all of this home with us, which after 10 days or... 20 yeah. days renders yeah. us not helpful anymore. And then yeah, I'm on TikTok really for hours yeah. at yeah. night. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So let yeah. me tell you uh, what the gift of this time has been for me. Anything when taken too seriously for too long loses its application to the lives that we're trying to live. Hmm. And it's refreshing to be part of a a look at wisdom that at one and the same time takes it seriously and holds it lightly. Yeah. And that's what y'all have going on. And I'm really grateful that you let me be part of that. Yeah. I have discerned that going forward, if you don't recommend anything from TikTok 
for me that I'm going to be hurt. <gasps> okay. Like you're going to have to send me some stuff if you're thinking about everybody. But I, I would absolutely will. It would yeah, be well, my you know. honor, my joy, and my pleasure. Yep. All righty. You send it right on, girl. That's amazing. And Richard, I realized that it was at uh, Christianity Today, but was a dark room. Total. <laughs> yeah. Dark. It was definitely dark. Yeah, and they small. keep it dark in there. And Very small, small. And Very hot. Small. It was hot in there. Yeah, it was a lot of that. It was all that. Yep. It was small. It was small. Uh, did we already say small? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been No Chill Enneagram. It is hosted and produced by me, Richard Clark, and Bethany Perkins. Theme music is 80s disco pop by Cinematic Alex. Our amazing logo and most of our awesome Instagram illustrations are by Matt Metcalf. If you're highly integrated, consider supporting our Patreon. You have the bandwidth, and we think you'll love all of our extra bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash nochillpodcast to join. If you're moderately integrated, hang in there. You got this. Just leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and then tell your friends about us so others can join you on your Enneagram journey. If you're not integrated at all, we're sorry. You're probably that way because of all the time you spend on social media. So just follow us on Instagram at NoChillEnneagram or Twitter at NoChillEnneapod. This is an area code podcast.